Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another edition of the SC Times Sports Report podcast. My name is Zach Dwyer, and joining me as he does every week is my co-host Brian Mosey. Brian, we had a chance to do a game together on Tuesday night. We're going to a girls basketball game together tonight. Um, you're seeing a lot of me. I hadn't seen you in like a week or two before this, but we're getting back in the groove of things now in the winter. Yeah, no, I, I've i been, uh, yeah, it's been good. We Good Thanksgiving. Um, that's kind of why we didn't do a podcast last week, uh, just because it was kind of crazy because we started on Tuesday. We worked Tuesday and Wednesday. We had Thursday off. I had Friday off. Then, you know, it was just back and forth. So we decided not to do a podcast last week. Ate some good turkey, some good stuffing and potatoes and all that type of stuff. And, uh, yeah, now I decided that I miss Zach so much that I need to see him a few times this week. So um, decided to go out there on Tuesday. But, yeah, otherwise things have been good. So happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Well, belated Thanksgiving. And, uh, yeah, welcome to December, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're we're kind of in the thick of it now. We um, this week we're finishing up all our all Metro teams. They've been running since last Sunday. They'll run through um, this Sunday, and we'll talk about a couple of those teams um, later in the podcast. We'll do kind of half of them this week, half of them next week to to go through those a little more in depth. But we're also going to talk some more about previews. Um, last week we did dance, or two weeks ago that'd be at this point we did dance and girls hockey. Today we're going to talk about girls basketball. In boys hockey, and then we'll talk about a couple other sports the following weeks as well, since we have a couple weeks here as as teams kind of have their first games. We're not too deep in the season. You can't really, you know, there's not really any trends yet or anything too much to take, so we're still kind of focusing a lot on um, those previews and getting the season started. So um, I think we're going to start with girls basketball today, which, um, as we mentioned, that's what we were doing Tuesday night. We had Sartell versus Ricori. Um which was a game we saw last year as well, too, that went to overtime last year in a really good game at Sartell. So um, it was kind of cool to see both of those teams start off the year. Uh, both had a lot of players in the rotation that had played, not too many graduated on either side. So it was kind of um, familiar teams that had a lot of varsity experience. Uh, it was So it was a good game. Sartell ended up coming out on top 60-48. Um, to 48. But Brian, this one started very slow. It definitely looked like the first game of the year through those first you know five, six minutes. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Megan and um, Avery afterwards for Sartell, and both of them were saying, yeah, I think the nerves kind of hit us a little bit um, at the beginning of the game. And you could tell. I mean, yes, they had they there was some interesting defenses being thrown out there um, between both teams, but there were also some opportunities where you had some fast breaks, and um, I think it was just not being able to put the ball in the, in the net. Um, so um, it was just... I mean, obviously, it started rolling after a while. I think they scored their first bucket like three and a half minutes into the game. Um, and then after that, they started getting a little more consistent. Um, and honestly, that second half was kind of the complete opposite of the first half, um, just points-wise. I mean, seemed like 
Sartell kind of got out on a, onto a lead. Um, they had like a 13 to two run to start off the second half, which allowed them to get that lead. And then um, Ricori kind of came back a little bit. They they were able to. Um, it, it, it was kind of a shame because they would hit like a three pointer, and then like right afterwards, Sartell would hit a three pointer, and it'd be like basically back in your face a little bit. And so Ricori really didn't get much momentum going because every time that they were looking to like keep that lead close or, you know, you know, contain that lead a little bit, then all of a sudden Sartell would come back out and they would, they would just dominate again. So, um, but the one thing that we kind of learned from this particular instance was both teams have kind of consistent players that will be scoring for them. Um, Sartell, they have, they have a new offense. They have a new offense and basically it's, it's completely different than what they did last year. So, it's been a big learning curve for them um, just with how they function as an offense. Um, but so far, it looks like it's been working well. Megan Dristy had 17 points, led the Sabres with that with that point total. Emily Crandall was right behind her with 13 points. Um, Brenna McClure, um, she had 10 points. And then Avery Templin and Riley Demain, they both had uh, eight points. So, I mean, consistently you have five players that are eight points or higher. That's always a good sign to start off your season um, pretty well. So, um, but yeah, I mean, maybe kind of give me your thoughts from the game as well, Zach. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely a good one. Like you said, there was a lot of different defenses being thrown out. You know, Ricori started in a two-three zone. Sartell was in kind of a two-two-one. Um, you know, two-one-two. Full court, both teams, especially Ricori, implemented a lot. I mean, there was a lot of different things they were throwing at each other, which is kind of tough when you haven't been able to, you know, be in game situations this year yet to work through those. So it definitely um, put some difficulties on both teams. The thing that both these teams have that's a real strength is, you know, you have Avery Templin for Sartell, who missed all of last year with an ACL injury. This was her first game back. Um, she's a reliable ball handler that doesn't really get flustered. So she was really keen breaking that press. And then on Ricori's side, you have Jada Bierschbach, who, uh, you know, finished with over 20 points, scored the vast majority of Ricori's points in this game, um, who's also able to, you know, kind of dribble out of situations, move the ball up, get to the free throw line a lot of times, especially in this game, um, and finish at the rim, too. So that was key um, for Ricori kind of staying in it for a while there. Jada was the only one, I think, that finished with more than like six points. So um that's obviously something the spartans they just they had a lot of good looks especially in that first half too um and sartell did as well i mean it just was a game where not many shots were falling but in that second half when sartell hit that hot streak i mean it really was megan dristy doing a lot of the work on that you know she had foul trouble in the first half only two points didn't really get to to make much of an impact but she had 15 of her points in the second half hit a couple threes um really swung the momentum and then they um, you know, when it came to the end, Ricori was still pressuring and Sartell, they didn't get too flustered. Um, they were able to make some free throws down the stretch, you know, kind of hold on for that, that double digit win. So a good win for them. It, it's, you know, you don't often always start with, you know, a conference game right off the bat. Usually have a couple non-conference games to get into it, but, um, you know, this could be kind of key for, for standings or even, you know, down the stretch in the central lakes. Um, since these two teams are usually kind of close to each other, especially the last year or so, um, in the standings. So yeah, it was, it was a good game, kind of gave us a nice um, beginning to the season, getting to see two teams. Definitely. No, I I definitely agree. I think it was nice to be able to see some of the talent that, that's around here. And um, I know you were working on some players to watch as, as we get ready for the girls' basketball season. 
couple different um, scores from Tuesday night. That's when all of the teams kind of started off um, their season. St. Cloud beat Little Falls 53-29 to this year. St. Cloud is combined as a co-op with uh, Apollo and, and Tech. So um, those two teams will be playing as one um, as a St. Cloud crush. Um, Jaina Benson had 15 points. Sarah Harris had 14 points. Sophie um, Trabowski had 13 points. So those um, St. Cloud was able to get their first victory. Albany also got their first victory, 64 to 52 against Royalton. Um, Maddie Herkinoff was 14 points. Um, Alyssa Sand had 13 points, and Kaylin Garrods had nine points, as well as Danica Finley um, had nine points as well. So um, good start for the Huskies as well, especially after losing a handful of uh, key players, um, aka Paige Meyer. Um, from last year's team. Um, and then Sock Rapids lost to Rockford 60-45 to on Tuesday night. Grace Ro- Roche um, had 16 points with four rebounds, and Courtney Paulson had 16 points with 10 rebounds. So um, some pretty good games to start off the girls' basketball season. I know you were able to talk to some of the coaches um, for the preview. Maybe just kind of give me a little bit of what maybe we should expect to see um, with uh, with these six different uh, schools, yeah, you know, three of them getting the season start off with wins right off the bat is is always kind of cool to see. Um, you know, the price should start with Albany since they are you know defending state champs, top ten ranked team in Class Two A. Like you said, Paige Meyer, you know, a two thousand point score in her career gone. She's already starting at South Dakota State as a freshman too, Division One. So that's a big loss. Abby Christian was also you know a, a three year starter for them. So. They lose those two pieces as guards that were key, but almost everyone else is back from that team that went to state. I mean, they have about six players in the rotation that played, you know, big minutes even in a state title game. So um, by no means are are they kind of new to this with varsity basketball by any means. Um, and you kind of saw that in this game that you didn't have, you know, a, a 25, 30 point score in this one, but you had nice, um, you know, kind of round scoring. Maddie Herkinoff was kind of the player to watch. She's, you know, been on varsity for about four years now. Um, she had 14 points and is, you know, a really skilled player in the post. But then you also have Alyssa Sand and Kylan Garrett's both um, sophomores who played a lot at the end of last year as freshmen in, in key games as well that um, are also tall players. So they have, you know, a lot of options that is going to, you know, they're kind of have that length and that height that is going to be difficult for probably a lot of teams to match up with. Um, and they have a lot of guards that are, you know, strong defensively, can also hit some three pointers. So. Um, they're definitely going to be a dangerous team. The thing for them, we're really going to know where they stand in, in class two, kind of right off the bat. Cause in this first, you know, month, month and a half, they play like four, five top five ranked teams. Um, they, you know, they play, uh, mini they travel to, they travel to sock center. Um, they face Fergus falls, Providence, who they played in the championship game last year, Minnetonka, even who's like top three ranked in class four. So they definitely didn't try to take it easy at all during this non-conference schedule. They kind of want to see where they're at. So um, I'm excited to see kind of where that lends them. So, you know, at the end of December, they might, there's a chance they could not even have a winning record, but they could still be one of the best teams, you know, in class two A. So I'm interested to see where that goes um, as well. Another big one with getting a win was St. Cloud. Their first, like you mentioned as the crush in history, um, you know, bringing tech and Apollo together, that's definitely going to be something it might take a little bit. A lot of these girls haven't, ever played a game together they've probably played against each other more often than playing together before these last couple weeks so um that's gonna be interesting Jaina Benson was someone that 
um, you know, was big for Tech last year as a freshman, clearly starting off strong as well. And Sarah Harris, too, is for Tech. And then um, a player coming over from Apollo is Kiara Anderson, who I expect to have a pretty big year, too. She was a double-digit scorer last year, um, also grabbed a lot of rebounds, um, and is someone that was kind of an all-conference, you know, caliber player as well. So, um, you know, both programs have kind of struggled in recent years, only getting a win or two here and there. Um, so putting together is hopefully going to kind of, you know, breed better results for the future and kind of help them grow this to, to kind of be competitive again. Oh, absolutely. And, and it looks like, I mean, we talked a little bit about uh, Ricori and Sartell already um, with that matchup. And uh, one of one of the teams that uh, we're going to actually go see tonight is Cathedral Girls Basketball. Um, a handful of uh, girls coming back, some recognizable faces, um, but also quite a few graduating um, seniors from last year's team. Maybe just talk a little bit about um, your conversation with Kathy and, and you know, what, what you learned from that conversation. Yeah. You know, if they, uh, Kate Stangler and Faith Van Erp were both kind of their top two scorers last year, they're both gone. Um, Addie Funnenstein was their top defender. So they lose only three seniors, but they were three really key seniors. So um, there's going to be big holes to fill, but one that she kind of, uh, Kathy Matuska, their coach, she kind of expects to, step into a big part of that scoring role is senior Ellie Pelzel. Um, you know, she's been a starter for a cup at least last year, for sure. She's kind of been playing on varsity for a while. Um, and she's someone that can, you know, get to the basket. She's very um, athletic. You'll also probably see up her name up coming on, you know, uh, all Metro volleyball. She had an incredible year for cathedral as well. Um, so just, you know, a good all around athlete that um, is going to be relied on a lot for them. They also have Caitlin Voth, another player who had a really good volleyball season that, you know, she was kind of, Kathy said she was recovering from a sprained ankle last year and wasn't ever really fully herself, but she's another, you know, key post for them that brings size and shot blocking ability um, and does a lot of key things for them. So um, there's other players like Grace Sand, who's a junior, seniors Rachel Voigt and Rachel Dingman that um, will play a lot. So, um, you know, it's going to be a bit different tonight. I'm excited to see kind of what that looks like. They're going to face Melrose um, tonight. Uh, Cathedral was the only one of our six teams that didn't open the season on Tuesday. So, they're going to get started tonight and we'll kind of we'll kind of see where they're at. And the only other team um, haven't mentioned because two other players on this players to watch, you know, was Avery Templin from Sartell, Jada Bierschbach from Corey. We talked about them a little earlier. Um, Sock Rapids, like you mentioned, lost their first game. But um, Grace Resch still, you know, is their leading scorer. She's a junior guard that led them in scoring last year and assists. Um, and, you know, is also a pretty good defensive player. So um, they're going to be a young team again this year as well. Um, they also have. Their post, uh, Mia Rogholt, she is going to be hurt for the first about month or so, recovering from an injury. So they're going to kind of um, try to figure out what that looks like without her till she gets back. She was, you know, a double-digit scorer for them last year. But, um, you know, Grace, she's started for, you know, two, three years now, um, has been a really big part of the program. So, she, you know, her being successful off the bat is going to be um, huge for the Storm as well. Definitely. Yeah, I think, I mean, sounds like a, a fun girls basketball season up ahead. Um, plenty of stuff to talk about. Um, we'll be updating you throughout the season, of, as always. And you can check out um, Zach's top six players to watch um, online. It's a subscribers-only story, so make sure to subscribe to the SC Times. Um, but plenty of content coming up um, from the sctimes.com from Tuesday's game with Sartell Ricori as well as tonight's game um, against with uh, Cathedral. Um, all of those stories will be up online um, throughout the week as well. So make sure to stay tuned to that. Where should we go next, uh, Zach? 
Let's go to boys hockey because that's, I know, what you previewed. You were able to see um, St. Cloud play on Saturday night, I believe. Um, so you, that was your first boys hockey game you got to watch this year. And a lot of either, you know, kind of started their seasons were early on. I know you talked to a lot of these coaches. So I think that's um, the one we want to hit here in the first segment as well. Where, what team do you want to start with? Because I believe we have five boys hockey teams. Yes, we do. Um, probably the best one would be uh, St. Cloud just because I went and saw them on Saturday. Um, St. Cloud brings back a lot of experience and a lot of depth. Um, they, their numbers were a little down last year and now they've come right back up, um, with, with numbers and they have a lot of experience with the sense of, um, Ben Condon, their starting goalie. Um, he's, he's kind of, he stepped into the role a little bit last year. Um, he split time with Brian, um, Streets. Um, who who graduated last year as well, um, and now Ben's going to be kind of taking over the role this year. <clears throat> Started off a little not so good. Um, apparently he's injured, so they've been kind of he hasn't been able to play yet this season. But hopefully, sounds like he's day to day, so hopefully they'll be able to bring him out um, and use him as goalie here sooner than later. Um, the Crush have also they've also lost defenseman Max Rudd. And uh, forward August Falloon. They both went to the USHL, um, and they were huge contributors to the team. August Falloon was one of their top uh, goal scorers, and Max was probably one of their best defensemen um, last year as well. Um, I know Max just actually committed to the Gophers this offseason, so um, that just kind of shows you where he's at. Um, I'm sure August will be getting plenty of offers um, as the time comes on. Um, but Plenty of people to step up um, and take over those roles. Andrew Cumming will probably be the top goal scorer for them. Um, he he comes back as one of the top goal scorers besides August Falloon. Um, and he's going to be kind of one of those leaders on the forward end. Um, he'll be joined by Theo Reland and Eli Unzi, as well as Ben Einick. Um, defensively, Ripley Garden and Isaac Baker, those two kind of took over that leadership spot on the defense. Um, they'll be joined by Lucas O'Donnell, Blake O'Hara, and Liam O'Donnell. Um, so plenty of recognizable names from last year. Um, so it's not like it's a complete wash because two players are gone. Um, and on Saturday, they went and took on Mamiji um, to start off their season. They lost 4-1 to one at the MAC, um, but a very interesting game. <laughs> um, when I talked to, to, the, to their head coach, Pete, um, on when I went to their practice earlier um, of Thanksgiving week, he said the one thing that you need to know is that Section 8 AA games are going to be very intense. Um, they just That's just their, their style. That's how they play. And so that definitely, uh, that definitely happened on Saturday as Bemidji and St. Cloud played. Bemidji went up four to, four to nothing um, throughout the game, and eventually in the third period things got a little chippy. Um, Mamiji's player went to the box um, for basically just like taking out a player in the middle of the ice. Honestly, um, Andrew Cumming was coming across and he just basically took him out. Um, went to the box for the rest of the game. Things also got a little chippy. A few more power play opportunities and such. And then at the end of the game, um, Mamiji's player came out of the box and went after Andrew. And actually, um, from the sounds of it, it's the penalty is called butt heading. No idea what that meant. Um, so I had to look that one up. But basically, it's when the stick gets 
hit uh, like is used as like a spear basically um, on the player. So he got disqualified, shockingly enough, um, and he will he had to miss a game. But Andrew Cumming did not have to miss a game. Um, he got misconduct, but um, I think he was also trying to defend himself a little bit from a spear of a hockey stick coming at him. But you know whatever. Um, so. Other than that, they did play on uh, Tuesday. They they tied with Burnsville two to two on the road um, on Tuesday. But St. Cloud definitely looks like a team that could have a lot of potential this year. Um, a couple other teams that look like they're going to be looking pretty good is River Lakes as well as um, Sock Rapids Rice. Um, both of them bring back a lot of depth, a lot of experience. Um, when it comes to Sock Rapids, um, their head coach Brady. Uh, they have nine, 14 seniors this year um, and plenty of depth for three strong lines. Um, offensively, Easton Portner and Caden Christensen, they'll be leading that uh, offense as two of the top goal scorers from last season. Um, the only player that's kind of a big um, loss for the, the Storm is Brandon Volkelman. He graduated last year, um, so definitely a big spot there. But um Noah Jensen and Caleb Intruer, um, they'll be the leaders for the offense, for the defense. Um, and then another big hole that they're kind of trying to figure out is um, they lost Riley Wendend last year as a goalie, as well as Grayson Kubluk. Um, it sounds like they're looking at Cole Young early on to kind of take over that goalie spot. Um, they do have a, a little bit of some competition there, so be interesting to see kind of how that unfolds. Um, on that end but as for river lakes as well river lakes um they bring back a lot of depth um from the sounds of it from what zach johnson their head coach said is they had um they had they had a lot of not a lot of numbers last year and so this year their numbers are back up um they're looking really good um and it looks like defensively joel sawada is going to be kind of the main defenseman for the stars and then Jacob Philippi will be the kind of star when it comes to get that. The stars have a star. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, Brian. See? See? Stick with me. Um, but he'll be kind of the top forward for them. Um, and they return seven of the nine forwards as well as three of the four defensemen. The big spot that they're kind of looking at is also goalie. Um, Josh Venable and Drew Tangen both graduated. They kind of took over that split shift last year. Um, but he's looking at Ashton Fit, um, Fisher as well as Carson Cronquist um, to take over that role. He expects them to kind of do the same thing where they split time. Um, but it looks like early on Carson Cronquist is kind of getting most of the starts. Um, but we'll we'll see kind of how things go as the season rolls on. Yeah, and I know a team that you know we got so used to their success was Cathedral going to state a couple times last year was kind of. Um, definitely a down year for them. You know, what does it look like? I know we have a new coach, a lot of new players. Um, what, what's it kind of look like for the Crusaders this year? Yeah, Crusaders are really young this year. Um, it looks like it's going to be kind of in- interesting to see what happens. Um, they definitely did not like the fact that they lost to Sartell in the quarterfinals at sections last year. So that is something that is on their mind as they get ready for the season. Now, sections have definitely changed. Um, so Sartell is not in the same section as uh, Cathedral. Heck, they're not in the same class as, as Cathedral anymore. Um, so different different competition there. But their new head coach, Robbie Stocker, 
Um, he's a previous alum of Cathedral, and he knows a lot of about the history of Cathedral hockey. Um, they have a lot of young players, a lot of freshmen and sophomores that are kind of stepping into roles. Um, they graduated very key players, Jacob Hirschfield, Colin Hiltner, Marcus Hort, um, as well as Brandon Valfonce. So some really big spots that are open for um, competition, which is what they've seen early on is that kids are, you know, kids are competing for those different roles and different line spots. Um, some of the some of the players that are going to be kind of stepping up, Colin Hess, he's going to be one guy that needs to kind of be one of those leaders. He's one of the few upperclassmen on this team. Um, but um, Tommy Goleman, Brandon Hemmer, uh, Matthew Winfeld, they're all returning defensemen. So definitely looking to see if they can structure that defense early on. They are. They lost Grant Martin as well as their for their goalie. So they're kind of looking at some new goalies to possibly take over that position. Um, Colin Hess and Nolan Windman, they're two captains, and they'll be kind of the offense for Cathedral early on. Um, they don't have an easy schedule, similar to uh, Albany girls basketball. Cathedral stacked their schedule, um, even though they have a very young team. And uh, they're playing teams like East Grand Forks, Thief River Falls, War Road, um, all the big names that you can think of when it comes to hockey in, in the in the greater north area of Minnesota. Um, so be interesting to see how that kind of unfolds over early on. Um, but overall, it sounds like, you know, so far they've actually been having some pretty good games. Um, if they lose, they have only lost by like one goal. I know they have a couple wins as well. They play East Grand Forks on Saturday, which I'm going to be going to. So um, that'll be a fun one to watch. And then the last team is Sartell. Um, Sartell actually got a really nice win against Alexandria on Tuesday, um, three to two, which is a really good way to start off the season. They did lose quite a few playmakers, uh, Michael Webster, Connor Hacker, um, Quinton Sungrenson. Um, Quinton actually moved to the Granite City Lumberjacks, who are having a phenomenal season. Um, and he's staying with the Lumberjacks this upcoming uh, winter, so that he will not be returning. Um, but Thomas Frankie, as well as Sterling um, Teddy McCabe, they're both defensemen that are coming back, um, and they'll be and they'll be relied on quite a bit for big minutes. Um, Troy Troy Lund, as well as Billy Volt, Volt, um, they'll be kind of the forward position, um, and they're kind of looking to see who's going to step into those second and third lines um, for them. Um, and then the big spot is goalie with Quinton gone. Um, He's looking at possibly Brandon Bonick um, as a as a goalie with a lot of experience, as well as Noah Hacker. Um, Noah got the start against Alexandria on Tuesday, so um, looked like he had a really good outing on Tuesday night. So, um, but yeah, plenty of open spots. But it sounds like overall, all of these boys hockey teams look to you know have a good chance of making some runs and being able to have a, a fun winter season on the ice. Yeah, and you know, they're just kind of like girls basketball. We said it's nice to see a couple get off to wins right off the bat, you know, not have to try to search for that first one through the first couple weeks or the winter break. So, you know, off to some good starts as well with boys hockey. So, yeah, I think that'll about do it for the first part of the show today. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk a little college news um, and then get to our first um, kind of batch of all Metro teams that we'll go through. Um, not fully in-depth, but we'll go through players of the years, um, some of the trends, some of the teams that had the most players, some of that kind of stuff. So um, we'll get back to that right after this break. Um, so just stay tuned for a minute and we'll be right back. 
And welcome back to the SC Times Sports Report podcast. Um, just filling you in on a couple college things before we get to our all-metro teams. Uh, St. Cloud State, they were on bye for men's hockey last week. They're going to be back in action against North Dakota um, this Friday and Saturday. Big rivalry series. I know even Brian's going to be there on Saturday to watch as a fan. So um, I'm sure that'll be a lot of fun. It should be probably sold out, if not a com- completely packed house for those ones. So um, I'm excited to see how that goes. St. Cloud, they've lost three in a row. Um, they've dropped from they were number one a couple weeks back. They're number five in the country now, and North Dakota's number seven. So um, top ten matchup for their last series kind of before their winter break. So that'll be exciting to see. Um, for St. John's football, their season ended on Saturday. Dave and I were out at that game um, against uh, Linfield. Uh, Linfield kind of, um, you know, neither team could really get much offense early. St. John's looked like they might lead into the half um, or at least be tied, and then they kind of had – you know, special teams error that let Linfield get ahead, and then they just kind of never caught up with them. So they had, you know, St. John's had a couple big plays, um, including like a 50-yard touchdown pass in the final minute to cut it within three points, but um, they couldn't recover the onside kick. So uh, their season came to an end, their undefeated season. They went out in the second round of the playoffs, um, and Linfield um, beat St. John's for the first time. In their history, they lost the national title game to them in 1965 and lost to them in the D3 playoffs in 02 and 03. So it was kind of um, a big win for them to beat St. John's for the first time and for it to be in Collegeville too. So um, they're done. So now that kind of, um, you know, that's kind of the last, that was the last fall sports still going on. So now it shifts completely to winter. Um, You know, kind of my focus for for going ahead for our colleges. Um, A lot of teams competing right now. I know St. Ben's basketball, they just moved to 5-0 last night for girls. I got to see St. Cloud State women's basketball last week. Their win at home for their home opener. They're off to a good start as well. A couple um, big results for them to start the year. They're on a, a strong start too. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. I'll probably kind of get more into those some of those other teams we'll, we'll kind of see as as the next weeks go on. We have about one to two more weeks of a lot of these teams playing. And then for college, a lot it starts a lot earlier than high school where, um, you know, kind of middle of the month, everything stops with finals and, you know, J term and a couple weeks off here and there. So, um, you know, we'll have a lot of games this weekend and then it slows down a bit. Um, so I'll kind of keep everyone informed on that as as we continue to go here. But yeah, otherwise, college, um, you know, winter winter's kind of full steam ahead. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I and then I think St. Cloud State volleyball is actually competing here soon. And you had a preview up about that. Yeah, that was, you know, this afternoon they're playing at, um, I believe it is 2.30 they're playing. Yeah, we, I talked to um, them kind of as they were driving on the bus um, down to Missouri where they're playing today. Um, it's They're kind of an incredible story because, you know, before Chad Bregelman took the job, um, I believe it was six years ago at this point, they were 1-19 in, in conference. You know, bottom of the conference, a lot of tough years. Um, and now six years later they went 19-1 and one in conference. They won... Um, you know, the regular season title with that incredible record. They won their first conference postseason title. Um, and now they're going to be playing in the NCAA tournament first round. They, they also made it two years ago when they made kind of their first big leap. Um, they got swept in that first match. Um, so they're going to be trying to, you know, kind of make their deepest run. I think they're only two and six all time in the D2 tournament. So, um, you know, they, they've gotten the program to a point where it's really strong and they're they're winning conference titles. They want to be able to kind of compete in national tournaments now and make a name for themselves. So they're going to be playing um, a familiar team, Concordia St. Paul, who's in their conference, who they split with this year. And um, 
was actually the last team to beat them. St. Cloud State's on a 17-game win streak. The last loss was October 1st at home to Concordia. So now they play them again. And, you know, Concordia is a team that's won the most D2 volleyball titles all time. I think they haven't won any in the last, you know, four four years or so. Before that, they won like eight out of nine or nine out of ten titles. So um, they're also a program that's been there a lot of times before. So um, it'll be a good test for them in their region. Um, they're the number two seed out of eight in their their kind of central region. So, um, you know, they're, they're kind of favored to win a couple of games there, and we'll see um, see if they can kind of pull it off today. Yeah, no, definitely. That'll be a fun one for sure. Um, so I guess, I mean, kind of transitioning from college to all metros, like we said, um, been doing the all metros this, this past week um, and into the rest of this week and weekend. Uh, we started off with football on Sunday, girls tennis on Monday, cross country, boys and girls on Tuesday, and then girls swimming and diving on Wednesday. We're taking a break on Thursday um, just due to the fact that we wanted to have some stories over the weekend. Um, and volleyball will be on Friday. Girls soccer will be on Saturday and boys soccer will conclude everything on Sunday. So um, plenty of stuff coming out this week on sctimes.com, all of them subscriber only. So make sure to hit that subscription button. Um, right now, I know there's a deal going on with Cyber Monday. Um, they extended that Cyber Monday deal. So make sure to get on to sctimes.com soon um, and get that nice deal going um, for you. Um, the first one that I think we're going to talk about is all Metro football. Um, kind of a big one. Takes a little bit more time. <laughs> Zach did it last year, so I didn't realize how much you have to put into it, and it was some work. <laughs> so, um, so this year uh, I did I did the all Metro list for that. Um, both of us kind of looked through both all of these type these stories just to make sure that you know there's nothing that's really out of place or anything like that. Um, we also allow coaches to send out nominations to us about who they think would be best on different teams. Um, and also we use stats that the coaches send to us to kind of figure out what's the best option. So with all of that in mind, um, the player of the year for all Metro football is Andrew Carls, um, senior quarterback and defense defense back um, for Apollo. He was phenomenal. I mean, I guess that's the one word that you can describe it as is just phenomenal. Um, he brought the Eagles um, program from, you know, losing quite a bit of games over the last few years to being five and five this year, making it to the semifinals of section play against Becker um, and just having a really good season. Um, Andrew had 16, about 1600 passing yards. 13 passing touchdowns. He also had 248 carries for 1,136 rushing yards and 17 rushing touchdowns, which is an Apollo record, um, school record. It, I mean, he recorded 54 tackles on the defense, um, one interception, one forced fumble, six and a half tackles for losses. So just dominating the secondary. And I mean, I, I guess you can kind of give me your thoughts, Zach, but obviously kind of a slam dunk pick there yeah i think so for sure i mean he you know they go from a team that was riding a multi-year losing streak to to being a team that was kind of dangerous in almost any game they played this season so yeah i mean I, huge strides in every game that you asked michael beeler he told you know when they have number 23 they feel like they have a chance to win and um that was kind of a common theme throughout 
the entire season. You know, the only, the other name that I know you were kind of grappling with trying to pick it was Carter Beer from Albany. He, you know, also had an incredible year, had, you know, about 1,500 yards of offense, um, you know, over 20 touchdowns, six interceptions on defense, too. Um, and, you know, he even missed about a game and a quarter with injuries. So, you know, he had multiple 200-yard rushing games, too. It, it was pretty incredible. I think it just kind of ended up being, you know, they both were great, great on both sides of the ball. Um, it was just kind of Andrew also playing quarterback as well and just how big of an impact it kind of changed the whole um, program with what kind of he was able to do this year. But I know you kind of really grappled with with picking between those two. Yeah, it was not an easy decision. Um, I looked at the stats quite a bit. And um, I think the other part is, is, you know, Andrew was competing against um, some bigger schools. I mean, they played Coon Rapids. They played Becker. Um, they played, you know, a bunch of different really top programs, whether that was 4A, 5A, 6A. Um, and those are not easy games to go into every Friday night. So the other player that I was kind of um, grappling around was um, Dominic Mathias. I mean, the sucky part is, is he was hurt for the last two and a half games. If he played those two and a half games, I'm sure there'd be a lot more consideration there um, just because he finished with 1,400 passing yards. He averaged 200 yards per game. Um, 14 passing touchdowns. He also ran for 243 yards and nine touchdowns. I mean, he put up some really impressive numbers um, and led that Sock Rapids team. I mean, they were six and zero when he when he was under center. So, um, I mean, just a really good season for Matthias. Unfortunately, had to end his season early with with that injury um, against Moorhead. But um, definitely someone. I mean, he was named Division Quarterback of the Year. So. Definitely deserving of, of some recognition there. Um, Sock Rapids, Albany, both have, I think I put six players in for each of those teams um, just due to the fact that both of them were six and three to end the season. Um, and then Ricori and Albany both had, I believe, four um, players on that first team. Um, and both of them were pretty much 500-ish. Um, and then Cathedral, Sartell, and Tech each had one player on that first team um, just because, you know, um, Cathedral had a pretty good season with going, I think they got three wins this year, um, but Tech and Sartell both, um, I know Sartell had one win and Tech was um, winless. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of how we we kind of chose it. and um, And basically it's like, I think it was 15 on, offense and 15 on defense i believe if i'm mistaken wrong maybe i don't know i think it was, i can't even remember anymore i think it might have been like you know you had your 11 and then like a special teams player too yeah uh, so it, it's a lot of names it's like 40 yeah. names in yeah there, so you know? and then and then you have your offense you have your defense and then you also have second team offense and defense so make sure to check out um sctimes.com to see if any of your favorite players were on that list um congratulations to everyone that made these lists both football tennis whatever sport it was um obviously it's not easy to get on these lists um you have to be very very good in this area and um there's a lot of talent in this area that's what we've been learning as we've been doing these all metros um is that every sport has a lot of talent um so rightfully so um you deserve to get a little recognition if you if you did have a great season so congratulations to everybody on making this, these lists um, definitely a, a fun one to make for sure. Yeah, and the, the one thing I just was going to add about football, like you said, I mean, there's there's 40-something people. We can't 
we can't say everyone's name, but the thing that stood out, um, that was a theme we talked about on this podcast all year was, you know, there's five sock rapids people on first team defense out of the 11 players. That just kind of shows you what, what they did all year long. You have, you know, Alex, um, and Andrew Harn back there for, for safeties, for defensive backs, you have Will White and Jace Volrath, you know, for, for linebackers and Jace will also be playing, um, this weekend at, you know, the all-star game, um, so and then you have Carter Lesh who's been on the team um I believe I think he's been on it every single year I've done this so this would be his third year of being on all metro so I mean when you have a defense like that you know that's incredible that's what led them all year along with Dom on offense and you know when he got hurt like you said that that really changed things but at the same time you still see I mean they're they were kind of the best of the best in the area and I think that kind of shown through on on the team as well absolutely no for sure and one other name that's going to be playing on the All-Star game on Saturday is Thomas Odenthal from Albany. Um, he he got a he got a selection there. So two local players playing in that All-Star game, kind of a fun thing to to wrap the season, the football season up with, um, and definitely going to be a a good time. And and the cool part is is there's a lot of juniors and sophomores on this team, which means that there's a lot of talent coming back for next year, which which is always good to see as a sports writer that you have a handful of guys that are going to be coming back and making impacts with all these different teams. Yeah. So um, we'll continue on kind of just in the order that these rolled out this week. So you had um, girls tennis that you also took care of. Um, you want to just briefly mention kind of your, your player of the year there um, and what stood out to you. Yeah. The player of the year, shockingly, um, Ashley Torali leaves. And so Paige Torali takes her spot as the player of the year. Um, and so, the page was just very, very good. Um, she was a, a solid um, eighth grader. She was, I mean, she she played as a seventh grader as the number two singles um, behind her sister last year. She took over that number one singles this year and um, rightfully so gets that spot. She finished 19 and seven overall. Um, she made it to the um, state tournament with uh, Ella Morale, who's also on the team, um, on first team. And um, they made it to the state tournament for doubles um, pairings and just a really good player. Um, kind of surprising to think that she's only an eighth grader. She's got four more years with, with the St. Cloud program, which is crazy to think about. I'm sure it's really nice um, for Paul Bates to know that he has his number one singles player for the next four years. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely congratulations to her on that. That's super cool. Ella Morale got a spot on that as well. Um, another doubles pairing that had a really good season, um, Addison Burns and Violet Style, um, both of them being juniors and coming back next year as a doubles pairing, is going to be very threatening for um, the Sartell team. Um, they, they're they going to have their number one doubles pairing back once again, which is always fun to see. And then lastly, just to kind of round out that top six for the for the um, first team is um, Kaylin Andrusik um, from Ricori. She's a junior, so she'll be returning um, she had the tough job of taking over that number one single spot. Um, not an easy task, but she went 10 and eight overall this season. And then um, Kirsten Welling from Ricori, she's a senior. Um, she was paired up with Ava Peters for most of the season. She went seven and seven, and um, they had a really good, really good season as well. Um, so quite a few names coming back. I mean, out of this top six um, on the first team, only one is graduating. So that just kind of shows you what the talent is like around here and should be kind of a fun season next fall um, as we get ready for the girls tennis season next year. 
Yeah. So, and then we kind of move on to, I did, uh, we combined boys and girls cross country in the same day this year. I think I've done them uh, separate in the past, the last two years, but this is one I think I've done all three years um, since I've been here. And there were a couple names that were on this for um, the third time. I've been on it every time I've done this. And one of those was Olivia Gable, who was the um, women's runner of the year. I know shocking Brian's shocked face that you can't see um, on audio, but she finished second at state in class two A. Um, continued to just set record times every week. Her lowest she broke 18 minutes for the first time this year too, um, and will undoubtedly be a threat to you know be potentially a state champ in in the next two years as well. So she was the women's runner of the year for the guys. Um, it was Vincent Calusa, a junior from Ricori. Uh, he ran his fastest time of the year at the final meet um, in 1636 at class two A. He finished 13th overall. Um, and was pretty consistently, you know, below 17 minutes most of the year. Um, and he was, um, I believe, runner-up at the conference meet and the section meet. So he's another name, I would say, for um, Olivia especially. She was, you know, a, a state track participant last year in a bunch of events. Uh, Vincent, someone I could also see possibly, you know, in the two-mile something. He was, I think, third at sections last year in track. So um, good cross-country season usually can pay dividends for long-distance runners. Um in the spring. And then, um, like I mentioned, you know, a couple people have been on here before Turner Shad was on the first team for the guys. Um, this was her, his third consecutive season being named to, um, the first team for all Metro. Um, there's also people like Eli Hansen and Grant Mayers for the guys that have been on it before. Um, and for the girls, um, Elise Hofer was on it last year for Ricori. Lena Vieri was, um, you know, and, and Maddie Dockendorf as well. So, um, yeah, a lot of repeat names as well. You kind of get that in cross country more than other sports. A lot start to make impacts eighth, ninth, tenth grade, um, and you kind of get to see them grow throughout the year. So um, yeah, so, some really great performances. Um, we got to see them all, you know, compete at state, both of us. Um, so it's kind of fun to go back through um, and kind of remember what we saw from that day and, and earlier in the year as I put this together last week. Yeah, no, a lot of a lot of young talent there. Um, so similar to football and tennis. Just a bunch of young talent coming back, which is always fun to see as a sports reporter because um, it's nice to know some familiar faces as you get ready for the season next fall. So, um, And then to kind of wrap up the All-Metros for the first part of this week um, is girls swimming and diving. They finished their season um, the weekend before Thanksgiving um, at State. And some really good performances there. Um, the player or the swimmer of the year is Mary Morris from Cathedral St. John's Prep. Um, she's a senior. She had the best finish in the central Minnesota area. Um, she was able to claim two podium spots, um, finishing fifth in the 200 freestyle with a time of 155.23. She also ended up in eighth place in the 100 backstroke with a time of 59.28. Um, so some really good performances there. Um, she was also able to contribute to the 200 medley relay and the 400 freestyle relay. Um, at state where they finished in the top 15. So um, some really good performances there. She breaks records basically all the time, similar to her brother, Chris Morris. They always just keep breaking records, it seems like. And the scary part is they have a, she has a younger sister, Ella Morris, where <laughs> she's only, I think, a sophomore. So, I mean, sky's the limit with her too. So, um, But some other names that are on this team, on this first team, um, Sartell's Madeline Francosis. Um, she's a sophomore. She's going to be, um, joining Holly Lawrence, who's also a sophomore for Sartell. Those two are going to be kind of the, 
the key people as they get into their upperclassmen years. Um, Kirsten Nelson from Tech, she's a sophomore. She's going to be um, – she she was on the team last year, the first team last year. Um, she was able to qualify for state. Um, all of these first teams basically qualified for state. So um, big – I mean, that just kind of shows you the talent around this area. Um, but Albany's Katie – Katie Spanier, she was a junior. She's going to be coming back next year, and she had a really good performance at State as well. And then um, Clara Wessling, she's a sophomore for Cathedral St. John's Prep. And Haley Westrup from Sartell, she's a junior. Um, she was the diver um, last year on first team and once again earned that right after finishing with 360 points at State this year and earning a podium spot um, for fifth place in Class AA. So, um, and then Megan Wellenbr- Wellenbring, um, she's a freshman for Ricori. Um, and then the Cathedral St. John's Prep 400 freestyle relay and Sartell's 200 freestyle relay teams both earned spots on that. So similar to the other teams, a lot of younger talent, um, sophomores, freshmen, some juniors. I think Mary Morris is the only senior on this um, first team, I believe. So that just kind of shows you how much fun next fall is going to be. <laughs> yeah, we could be poised for for some big performances, like you mentioned, in a lot of these sports. And I know it's going to make doing previews next fall. The version of us in like August is really going to love that all these people, we can just look at the all-metro teams <laughs> and be like, they're back, they're back. Those are my people to watch. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's kind of peek behind the curtain. That's usually where we start when we know we have to – preview something and go okay let me look at what i wrote 12 months ago for all metros see where my head was at so yeah if you like brian said if you want to read any of these uh, make sure to subscribe or check those out at sctimes.com and then next week um we'll wrap it up with volleyball girls soccer and boys soccer um which are coming out um friday saturday sunday in print of this week but we'll talk about them on the podcast next week and um i believe we were also going to preview a couple more sports like wrestling and boys basketball next week since we're both currently um, finishing working on those previews right now and they're kind of getting their regular seasons geared up here soon too. So um, yeah, for, for the rest of this week for us, like we mentioned at the top, we'll be at Cathedral Girls Basketball tonight on Thursday night. Um, I know we, we, we got on a pretty solid schedule of recording this on Wednesdays and then we missed a week for the holidays and now it's Thursday. We swear we'll get back to some consistency, <laughs> I promise. But um, and then for me, the rest of the weekend is going to be um, men's hockey, St. Cloud State versus North Dakota on Friday and Saturday. What about you, Brian? I will be at dance on uh, Friday night for the Central Lakes Conference dance meet over at Apollo. So be over there on Friday night taking pictures and writing up a story. And then Saturday, I'll conclude my week at the MAC um, in the afternoon for Cathedral Boys Hockey as they play um, East Grand Forks. So I'll be doing photos and then getting quickly changed and heading out to the St. Cloud State UND game. Awesome. So, yeah, so that's definitely going to be kind of the marquee matchup, especially the Saturday night series. All I mean, the Saturday night game of the series always seems to kind of even even carry more weight. So that should be a lot of fun. But other than that, um, I think that'll about do it for this week of the podcast. So once again, thank you for tuning in to the SC Times Sports Report podcast, and we will see you again next time.